What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. I'm in love with that song. I'm in love with that song. I love that song. I'm in love with that song. I love that song. I love that song. I'm in love with that song. I love that song. I'm in love with that song. Heads up, all you who's down in Whoville. It's time for another edition of the I'm in Love With That Song podcast. I'm your host, Brad Page, and you're listening here on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Each episode of this show, I pick a favorite song of mine and we explore it together on our quest to understand what goes into making a great song. No musical knowledge is required, just a willingness to listen. Sometimes on this show, we dig into a song that's a familiar classic. Sometimes we tap into a song that's lesser known, but no less great. That's the path we're taking this episode. Today, I'm bringing to the table a song by the band Starbelly. This is a song from their debut album called Lemon Fresh, released in 1998. The name of the song is This Time. Now, usually at this point... I'd give you a little history of the band, kind of set things up, and then we'd dive into the song. But this time, pun intended, we're going to do something a little different because we're going to be joined by Cliff Hillis. Cliff was the guitarist for Starbelly. He played on this album, and he's kind enough to come on the show and tell us about making this record and this song. So let's do it. Let's talk to Cliff Hillis about Starbelly and the song called This Time. This time is for you This time is for you We'll be right back after this message. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. 
All right, Cliff Hillis, thanks for joining me on the I'm In Love With That Song podcast. Let's talk a little bit about Starbelly. First, tell me about who the band was, is, and how it sort of all came together at the beginning. Starbelly came about in, I think it was 1996 or 7, 97. It started out as a project that Dennis Shockett and Greg Schroeder, who I knew through their prior band, the Rattlecats from Baltimore, had recorded some songs with Andy Bopp of the band Love Nut and then Miracle Bra. Mm -hmm. And they recorded a few, I'm like, I call them demos, but really they were recordings. They made it, they ended up being on our record. And it was a project and they were putting it together. And then they asked me if I would want to join this band, which became Starbelly. And I did. And it was in the, the little window of time there when, when Power Pop, there was this kind of little magical. Uh, <laughs> bubble of, of power pop being cool. Yeah. And, uh, we made our record lemon fresh, the first record and with Andy Bop and put it out and had some really great reviews and great reactions. And we toured a little bit and we got a manager and actually Russell Zeker, who, uh, managed Jason Faulkner from jellyfish and he shopped it around, you know, and we were, we were pushing and doing our thing and, and went to the very first international pop overthrow fest in 1998. And, you know, did a lot of cool stuff. So I was in the band for a, a handful of years. And then right around 2000, I was playing some other bands, doing my own thing as well. And it got a little crazy. And basically, I left the band and Brian Ewald took my place. And for a number of years, Starbelly was a trio with Brian on guitar. And then somewhere in the last 10 plus years, Dennis and I started writing some songs. And now... When we can, we play as a four-piece as Starbelly. So that's the arc in, in very general terms. So Starbelly was initially uh, yourself on guitars, Dennis Shockett on bass, and Greg Schroeder on drums with you and Dennis kind of splitting the lead vocals, right? Yeah, and you know, we all sang harmonies and such. And, and basically Dennis and I you know, co-wrote back and forth. I'd say Dennis is maybe 60%, I was 40%, but we did a lot of... You know, we, he had songs, I had songs, and we wrote songs together. Where did the name come from? Aha, the name Starbelly came from uh, Greg, the drummer. He had some a, a young son at the time, and they were reading Dr. Seuss books to him. And we were trying to find a name, and he saw Starbelly Sneetches and said, hey, what do you think about Starbelly? And there were a lot of star bands out at that time, too. So that's how we became Starbelly. I always figured it was a Dr. Seuss connection, but it's been confirmed. <laughs> it is true. So how did that first album come about? You said it started, uh, they already had some demos at, uh, when you joined the band? or Yeah, they um, they had been recording a little bit with Andy Bopp. And, uh, Andy is a great songwriter on his own. Oh my God, yeah. And a great singer and a Really great producer, but definitely has a sound. There's a sound across all those Miracle Bra records, and I can hear that too in the Starbelly album as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Very retro, but it totally works. I love it. Oh, yeah, yeah. He um, he was, you know, had this really uh, lo-fi 60s, you know, sensibility that he was going for, which we all loved. And uh, he's a bit of a mad scientist, I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> I can believe it. Yep, but um, it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty cool, and and I learned a lot, and you know, it was I learned to unlearn some things of you know, like not overdoing it with miking drums and things, and, and you know, it all depends on the situation. But sure. Now Andy has 
production credits on a chunk of the first album, but you do as well. So were these songs sort of cut at different times? Yes. Um, there were the initial two songs, which were uh, Rocket Ship and She's So Real. like the initial two song demo or whatnot. And then I went in and we were recording at Andy's house and it was, was pretty wild. Cause yeah, it was a, a room in his house. One of his, one of his kids' bedrooms he had converted into his studio it was very tiny. And uh, yeah, so we had recorded some more with Andy and then over the course of the next however many months or year before we actually put out lemon fresh, uh, we had recorded a bunch of demos at my, actually my parents' house in my, our basement uh, I had a whole setup, but I'd always been done doing recording. So we were making glorified demos there as well and kind of picked our favorites. We had a whole nother, like probably 10 more songs that had been recorded at around that time, just things I had and things Dennis had. Um, so that's why there's, uh, some was Andy and then some uh, were recorded uh, by me in my parents' basement. The record sounds pretty seamless though. Oh, I'm glad you think so. Yeah. 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 I don't hear... You know, sometimes you can definitely hear when different producers or different studios even were used. And I think it sounds pretty seamless across all the tracks. But I'm glad I'm glad you think that. Yeah. So the song that I wanted to talk about specifically is a song called This Time. It's the song that opens the album. This song was written uh, by Dennis, correct? Correct. And can you tell me a little bit about how the song was written? Uh, yeah. So let's see. <laughs> Well, I remember him playing it for us, and I and you know we immediately loved it. It was a two-minute song. Uh, I think when he initially initially wrote it, it was a little more mellow because we later on we had started doing a, a version of it where we were kind of was very laid back and then kicked in at the last minute. But uh, Dennis has uh, mentioned more than a couple times he kind of was copying Marshall Crenshaw a little bit on that song. I think you're my favorite waste of time. Which, you know, I, but I don't hear that. I mean, I, I, I hear the melody being similar, but I think it's, you know, the song itself stands as as good as any song. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, one of my favorite Dennis songs. Uh, I think he wrote it sort of a little bit about his wife at the time. I'm a big fan of it. Yeah. So there is some personal element in the lyrics. And yeah. OK, well, let's talk about the track itself. Dennis takes the lead vocals. It's It sounds like there's quite a bit of compression on his voice, which I think is an Andy Bopp signature thing. Absolutely. Any uh, stories about that? Yeah, well, it's a funny thing because that ended up being the first song on the album. And I clearly, this day, I remember like, uh, Dennis going into the little closet to cut the vocal. Like, I think we did a scratch vocal. You know, we played it live, did a scratch vocal, but then went back and then he re-sang. The, but it's basically mostly one take 
vocal. But when he went into re-sing it to get it a little more, you know, focused and Andy was just cranking the compressors and everything to oblivion. And that was I, I was sort of into compression then. And that that definitely got me on that path as well. But I just remember it was so cranked. And I love the fact that the like Dennis just takes a breath. <gasps> I feel every day. And that's that's was a great way, I think, to lead off the album. I feel every day wasting our time away. And no one knows tears anyway. And it almost sounds like, you know, some people will be like, oh man, that's you know, what are you doing? That's too much. But we like, you know, that was sort of our version of rock and roll. It's like making everything just in your face. Right. Well, it's incredibly punchy and it's powerful. But and this is probably overthinking it. But there's something about this album, which is a very organic record, yeah. beginning with the very first thing you hear is the human breath. Yeah. There's nothing more essential, more organic to us as humans as breathing, right? And that's the first thing you hear yeah. is him take that breath. Uh, I'm glad you said that because I think about that too. And I, yeah, I love that. It's like, for me, it's like one of my favorite moments just, you know, of, of starting an album. Yeah. I fear every day wasting our time away and no one knows tears anyway by lacing our eyes with age and as we go That's a great vocal by Dennis Shockett. Now let's listen to what's going on underneath the vocals. This is a fantastic chord progression, constantly moving, propelling the song forward. Now, as they transition the verse into the chorus, the guitar switches from those big chords into playing an arpeggiated part. I believe there are two guitar tracks panned left and right. Is that correct? Yeah, I guess we doubled the guitar. Yeah, it was just me, Greg, and Dennis, and we cut it at Andy's uh, house at his makeshift studio, so to speak. And uh, I remember we were in the tiny room. I think we cut the basic tracks live, and Greg's in the corner. I'm sitting right next to Greg playing the rhythm guitar, and he, uh, Andy had my guitar in the bathroom <laughs> right across the hall mm -hmm. and then, and Dennis Dennis would sing in the little closet in the room to for isolation mm -hmm. so we cut the basic track and then I just doubled that track and then did the guitar solo and the really it's actually pretty minimal uh, as far as rock songs go this The first time around, the chorus is abbreviated and goes right into that second verse. This time is for you. Can anyone 
remember with were both guitar parts played on the same guitar? Did you use different guitars? Pretty sure it was the same guitar. I had um, bought one of Andy's. He had the I think an endorsement of sorts with Epiphone, and I I bought what his spare Epiphone Riviera guitar, semi hollow. Uh, yeah, semi hollow. Uh, with uh, some from the mid '90s, we're going to get super specific. Rivieras from the '60s had uh, little mini humbuckers, but this had full humbuckers, so it was more like a like a Gibson 335. Right. But um, I believe that's all I played on it. Um, and you know, same guitar, so it wasn't like getting fancy. Like, oh, we'll do a Fender on the side, and another, you know. Right. Okay. I was curious about that. And and what did you use for an amp? Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. Vox AC30. Um, cranked fairly well. And then for the lead, crank it up a little more. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And do you remember what Dennis played for a bass? Yep. Um, Dennis had this really, and he still has it and plays it at many uh, Starbilly shows, a cool 60s Hagstrom bass, <sighs> which was also kind of like a red Les Paul looking body and sounded so darn good. Um, I forget what amp we had going. It was some, some tube amp. I'm pretty sure it was a trainer head through some kind of a cabinet. I love the bass part that Dennis plays during that pre-chorus section. The drums were maybe three tracks, and then we had the bass and the two guitar tracks, and then the lead, and then it's just like we go on around a mic to do our. It was, you know, it was reminiscent of what ha- what they would do back in the '60s because we we maybe bounced a couple tracks, but not not much. And and the basic tracks the, that was cut beginning to end. There's no edit in there or anything. It's just no, one. no. It's just like we probably did did a few passes and then like okay, that's the good one. Here we go. Cool. This time is for you. This time is for you. And then the backing vocals is that you. And the other two guys, or just you, or I, I think Dennis and I did it, and then Greg doubled apart. Okay, yeah, but we, but those were pretty much I, we cut those kind of like live. You know, after we got the lead vocal down, we went in the little closet and sang our bits. Right, the three of you are around the mic like old school. Yeah, <laughs> I just remember too with Andy. It was like go. He would hit the button. He's like go, and uh, and just you go and you play live, and uh, and that helped create a lot of that spirit. Just you know, like like a live band in a room. Yeah, there's just a lot. There's a lot of energy on that, on this track, and on the whole record. Um, the backing vocals, I believe, are they're also panned in stereo. Um, yep. Hard yep. left and hard right. This time is for you. And so the solo was played on the Epiphone as well, right? It sounds to me like, and you may not remember, but it sounds to me like there's maybe some sleigh bells that come in in the background. Oh, there are. Yes, you're right. You're right. Yes. That was, you know, very much a Beach Boysism. But uh, that's right. We had some sleigh bells that come in behind the solo. <laughs> Uh, 
I do recall because um, I didn't know Andy very well, and he, he was quite a presence. Um, just doing that, I you know I came up with that guitar solo that's on the song, and it did take me a few passes. Uh, I was pretty nervous because you know I also didn't even know Greg and Dennis that well. I was loving the music, but I was like, man, I got to get this right. And I was kind of used to having my own studio at home, mm-hmm. so I was like, I was pretty nervous. I remember doing that solo, but I was really psyched when you know the end result. It's a very George Harrisony kind of Beatley kind All of right, thing. I think. <laughs> Like you said, it clocks in at under two minutes. This is a perfect song. It doesn't waste any time. There's no fat. Yeah. It has everything it needs to have in it and not a dollop more. It's just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? It's yeah. just the right amount of ornamentation, which is minimal, but that's, this song doesn't call for that. Yeah. It's so great. I have fond memories of playing um, a couple of the first two international pop overthrow festivals. Uh, uh, they were both in LA. And um, we started with this time, and it was just almost like just guitar and vocals very quietly. And then we kick in halfway through. And it just I just remember this moment of the, the room. It felt very electric. Um, so it's very, I have a very special place in my heart with this song and, and just the record. And uh, you were telling me that Dennis Shockett has a solo album coming out, probably will already be out by the time this show airs. But what can you tell me about Dennis's new record? Yeah, he's got this this lush, wonderful uh, full-length album. It's called Weather Vane uh, that's coming out in, I think, mid-April. And uh, yeah, it's really cool. Um, Dennis, uh, you know, he, he writes songs all the time. And it's funny because like the last Starbelly record four, Dennis would come up to my place and just play me a bunch of things. And it's like, what do you think? And I'm like, you know, we, we, we would kind of flesh out the songs that way. But he he has such a backlog of songs and they're all good. Uh, he decided that rather than lean on like the Starbelly guys and whatnot, that he was going to just make a record. And it's actually some of the folks that play with him. Uh, he's got an ELO tribute band that plays around regionally called Atomic Light Orchestra. So he used some of the folks from that band. And uh, some of the songs are definitely have a little bit of an ELO bent to them. Cool. And just some various guys that he knows in the area, uh, really great musicians. His, he kind of wanted it to be like, this is my voice doing my thing. And then uh, Brian from Starbelly did play a couple solos because he's just so damn good. But I've, I've heard the record and it's just, it's amazing, beautiful, lush songs. So that will be coming out mid-April. And I'm sure Dennis is going to be doing some solo shows, solo band shows, and it will probably incorporate some of those songs into the Starbelly set, I, I would think. Very cool. And you came out with a new album of your own called Be The Now, which was out in February 2023, right? 
That is correct. Yes. Uh, eight song release that uh, mid to late February. Um, I've been having some really good luck with it, getting some AAA radio play, uh, WXPN in Philly, uh, WTMD down in Towson, uh, Maryland, and a number of other uh, stations like that. And I'm, yeah, I'm really proud of that record. I had some really cool, fun co-writes on there. In recent years, I've been trying to make a point to uh, co-write with songwriters that I that I dig, that I'll just reach out to people and either they say yes or they say no, but I've been getting pretty lucky here and there. Um, Aaron Lee Tazjan is a great songwriter that I've known for a number of years. We wrote a song together on there called Motel Parking Lot. Um, my friend Kelly Ryan, who's a fantastic songwriter, we've written a few songs together. The lead off track, Good Morning and Good Night, is a co-write with Kelly. And also uh, Dan Byrne, who I'm a huge fan of. I've done some shows with them and we've written some songs together. And I wrote a song about him because I was kind of a, just having fun. But um, I wrote a song called Odian Byrne and asked if he would kind of sing on it. And then he ended up, we, it was going to be like, hey, take a little verse and be like the like a guest rapper on a song. It's like, yo, I'm Dan Byrne and da da da. And he ended up writing a verse about me. And I was, I was like, oh my goodness. But um, yeah, really proud of that record and been getting some really great responses. Well, great. I have a copy of your record. I love it. Thank you. I definitely will recommend it to anyone who's listening, particularly if you if you dig this Starbelly track, I think you'll dig Cliff's new record. And I'm really looking forward to Dennis's album when that comes out. Thank you. And I, I must give a shout out to you, my friend Greg Marigas is sort of my partner in crime for making my solo records. It wouldn't sound the same without him, without his influence. Great. Well, Cliff, thanks for coming on and talking about this this uh, track. Like I said, to me, this is a perfect song. I think Lemon Fresh as an album is a damn near perfect album. Oh, thank you. Me too. <laughs> yeah, we, it's you know it sets out to do a particular thing, and it does that thing perfectly. I could not recommend this record higher as just a power pop modern classic. It's brilliant. Oh, thank you so much. Well, thanks, Cliff. I really appreciate it. Ah, thank you. Thank you, Brad. Great talking to you. Same here. Thanks for listening to this edition of the I'm In Love With That Song podcast. Please go find a copy of Starbelly's Lemon Fresh. Every song on that album is great. And I often say on this podcast, support the artists by buying their music. And that is especially true for independent artists like the guys in Starbelly. As music lovers, we need to support artists like this. As we talked about during the show, both Cliff Hillis and Dennis Shockett have new solo albums out. Cliff's album is called Be The Now, and Dennis's album is Weathervane. Go buy the CDs or the MP3s and support these great independent artists. And you can support this show by posting a review wherever it is that you listen to the show and by telling a friend about the podcast. If you get just one person to listen to this show, you've done a huge favor for us. So thanks in advance. New episodes of this podcast can be heard right here on the Pantheon Podcast Network on the 1st and the 15th of every month. So I'll meet you back here in about two weeks with a brandy new show. Until then, thanks for listening to this episode on This Time by Starbelly. I fear every day, wasting our time away.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 